You are listening to Beyond the Dress Size podcast with Dr. Ezine Meribe. On today's episode, the focus is on raising awareness for health and improving our health-seeking behaviors. Now, because Beyond the Dress Size is talking about the dress size, we realize that health is not about the dress label. Health is not about the number on the tape. Health is not about how thin your waist can be. And health is not about the number on the scale. Health is all-encompassing. And there are many, many things that influence how healthy or unhealthy a human can be. And one of them would be illnesses. How do we deal with illnesses? How do we respond to illnesses? How do we take responsibility for our bodies beyond just, you know, trying to look good in a dress? So if this is your first time listening to Beyond the Dress Size podcast, I'm excited that you're listening and I'm thankful that someone may have shared this podcast with you. I know that if you are done listening to this episode, you'll be excited to binge on all other episodes. Trust me, it's that good. Okay, and everyone who has been a listener from day one, you are the real MVPs. Thank you so much for always tuning in, for sharing, for leaving comments, for leaving reviews, for sharing with your friends and family. You've done so much to keep this podcast going and it warms my heart to know that all episodes are being listened to by you guys. So thank you so much. Let's get into the episode. Today I have Rayo Abe who shares her story thriving through diabetes, taking responsibility for her health, and how she's living healed and hearty today, absolutely symptom-free, and what she's doing every single day to support herself. Okay, so I know that um, a lot of people hear about diseases and go, oh, it's not my portion, or you have someone who is going through this currently. This could be just um, the thing you need to save that person's life. Rayo Abe is a professional housewife and the face of Lagos Housewife brand. She's a graduate of English language from the University of Illinois and made the choice to be a stay-at-home mom even before marriage. Now, based on her experience as a stay-at-home mom, she started Lagos Housewife from her passion to help women be financially independent while at the same time run and manage their homes and families. She has a special bias for healthy balance Homemade meals that torment me all the time because in fact she loves cooking. <laughs> and also teaching women to balance their homes, lives, and businesses. Welcome, Ryo. I'm excited to have you here. I'm going to tell you guys that my voice is at an all-time high because she makes me talk, 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 talk. And she's one of those intellectually gifted people that you can have both spiritual and intellectual conversations with. So she's a good sister. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Okay. So, but it's fascinating that a young girl in school will make up her mind that she wants to be a stay-at-home mom. Are you not, don't want to sit at the corner of these, you know, <laughs> where schools? The funny thing is, when I was even in school, I had no intention of getting married. So, whether stay-at-home mom or what didn't even come up then. But when... Uh, because I was thinking I don't want to get married, I don't want to have children, I just want to be myself and everything, focus on this. You know, the silly things we think when we're young. (laughs) So, but after I graduated and I was serving and working, that was when I decided that, okay, if I ever get married, I don't want to work outside the home. I want to work in my home. So I guess that was just where it started from and all that. It was working that made me realize I don't, I'm really not cut out for the nine to five life. Mm. Basically, that was just it. (laughs) 
So you had worked for a while before you got married? Yes, I did. I worked in the Transcorp Hilton Hotel. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I know I've introduced you, but tell us, well, more about you from your own, from the horse's mouth. Okay. What about myself, actually? <laughs> so what do you do with Lagos Housewife? I know I touched on it briefly. Okay. Uh, Lagos Housewife, basically, I think it's about uh, God, our faith, my faith. It's about family, food, and business uh, with special focus on women, actually. Okay. Uh, part of the things that motivates me, that drives me, is, is the family units. I Maybe because I have nephews and I have a son and I'm someone who, you know, my mom was this kind of person that opened her doors to everybody. So I had a lot, we always had a lot of interaction with young people. So it made me realize there's, so, there's, there's something going wrong with the family units. There's a lot going wrong with the family units. And, and to a large extent, maybe because I'm a woman and... I understand the power of a woman in a home. It makes me want to reach out to women more. And then <laughs> the men probably won't listen much <laughs> to a woman anyway. So <laughs> I guess I, I, it makes me that, okay, if a woman can be right in a home, a lot of things will go right in that family. That is my number one driving motivation. And the, the, and the thing is I've realized that a happy fulfilled woman who has a relationship with God is powerful in a home, extremely powerful in a home. And that is my desire. If I can do that for homes, I think that is 90% of the issues in a home solved. I've seen what happens when a, a home loses a mother at a young age. Too many things go wrong. But you know, the funny thing is if they lose a father, things can still go right in that, in that family. So the, that's the thing. I think we women need to get our acts together and understand the role we have been called to by God. You know, one, one time I was reading and I was using the, the Hebrew Bible and the Roman Bible translations and I was comparing the definition of the words to the English Bible. And I realized the same word the Bible used to describe the Holy Spirit is the same word the Bible used to describe a woman as a helper. Mm. And that's really struck my heart that, oh, we're actually more than we think. You know, Nigerian women, when you think of a woman as being a helper, they automatically think financial. It's, I think that's one of the things the devil has used to deceive too many people. It goes way, way, way beyond that. And there's this Christian group I'm on in on Facebook, the only Christian group I'm actually a part of. <laughs> and she's an amazing woman, TPJ, Die Precious Jewels. She's an amazing woman. I've learned so much for her. And she's always saying this thing, woman, man your doors. Man your doors. Make sure nothing comes into your home that you do not approve of. So, sorry, I've gone all spiritual again. Is <laughs> this supposed to? <laughs> Don't mind me. Because it's my driving passion. I, I really can't separate who Lagos Housewife is from God. So basically, that is it. And uh, there's this thing about food being a unifier. Yeah. You know, before when I was, when I, I first started Lagos Housewife, and I was thinking, how, how does this apply to God? It's just food. Mm. 
And I was talking about it to my brother, you know, he's a pastor. Well, three, my three brothers are actually pastors. <laughs> so my my second brother, he, he said, what makes you think it's just food? He said, do you know what the second thing God gave to man after dominion was? It was food. Mm. said, if there's, not, if there's something I know about God, he's a very deliberate and intentional God. He doesn't do things by chance. So if he could say, have dominion and rule over the earth, and then the next thing he said was, everything that grows, I give to you as food. It shows food is very important. He said, and then when the devil came to tempt Satan, it was when Jesus was hungry. Yes. It was when he was without food. Even in the case of Adam and Eve, it was still food. Exactly. He now says, one thing he knows, food is extremely important. Extremely. He says, so if God has given you a ministry that has to do with food, say better take it seriously. And that changed my mindset. <laughs> we also talk about food that way. So when we're trying to, you know, work with people who have eaten disorders yes. or, you know, separate from trying to be overly controlling with their food, yes. remind them that you cannot control food. Yes, true. Food is central to almost everything that we do. When we have parties, there's food. You know, when you're not feeling okay, someone brings food for you as a way of showing you love. When there's um, something going on, when you give birth to a child, people bring food to you. Yes. Do you understand? So food, food happens, food is the way we connect we bond, yes. we show love, we have, we have, we, we create memories because you go on vacation and you want to try the, those people's food. Exactly. Food is so essential. Like it's an integral part of our being. Yes. So when we're doing everything we're doing, we're not saying, oh, uh, run away from food, avoid, you can't avoid food. Yes. But it's central, just like you have said. So basically, apparently it has both a scientific and a spiritual connotation in our lives. Yes, it does. It does. So tell us, how did you become so passionate about nutrition? I think when the passion really grew was when I was seven. I told you I served in Hilton. I didn't work in the kitchen. I worked in the guest services, but I would spend all my spare time in the kitchen looking at food. I would be disturbing the chef. How do you combine this? How do you combine that and everything? It leaves interest was so much but even then i didn't think of it as a career when i met my husband do you know he didn't know i knew how to cook till after we got married <laughs> because i never used to cook after we got married and then when it came to issue of eating and everything what happened was where we, we we were in kind of like a financial crunch when we got married uh, i'd stopped working by then we were just trying to start up a family business and cash was so scarce i i had to learn how to manage with little and that was when i started developing how to cook with things how to use things how to use leftovers how to make sure food doesn't waste isn't it amazing how god uses experience to teach us things yes <laughs> that was when i learned how not to waste food and all that and then the passion grew but i was still eating recklessly so when i got my diabetes diagnosis and I started learning what are the things that affect my blood sugar. That was when the aspect of nutrition came in. Before it was food, delicious food. Then the aspect of nutrition came in. <laughs> I started studying and all that. And I remember my doctor, after I got my diabetes diagnosis, and he told me something. He said, food can either be your medicine or your poison. 
you choose what it will be. I was a good doctor. Yes, <laughs> he is. He's still my doctor till now. Very good. <laughs> so that made me sit down and talk to myself and was like, if you want to live, you got to eat right. And I remember, uh, you know, Joyce Meyer to always saying some Christians will die and go to heaven earlier than they should because of what they ingest in their body. And that was a serious reminder that, okay, God has given us everything, everything. But there's also one thing he gives to us, common sense and discipline. Use it. So that's basically the long story. <laughs> okay. So when you were diagnosed with diabetes initially, because now we're trying to talk about how you use nutrition to empower yourself in the long run. Yes. So when you were diagnosed with diabetes initially, what was it like for you? What were you eating at that time and how has that changed? Okay. When I was first diagnosed, first thing was to go into denial. You know, I was actually angry with God and telling him, is it not people that drink five bottles of minerals a day? Does anything happen to them? So why should I be different? I would drink and nothing will happen to me in Jesus' name. And I will be... They should have just told you not We are trying to bend God's hand. Yes. <laughs> I was like, why should I? Why should I be the one to have it? Eh? Other people don't have it, no matter what sweet things they are taking. I basically, I wanted to keep on eating nonsense and keep on being healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But you know what the thing is that a lot of us do these things as Christians. Yes. It, it just makes me think of the scripture that says, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Because it's a sin. percent. Yes. We already know what the problem is. And rather than take steps, like someone who is empowered and knowledgeable, you insist that you have been healed, even though, the statistics show that you have not been healed or, or the tests show that you have not exactly. been healed. And so you continue to eat irresponsibly and drink irresponsibly. That was me. And then you turn around and say that you have faith. Exactly. That was me. And it was, in fact, it was terrible because I would still go home and I would drink malt and I would drink this thing and I would say, I've been healed by the stripes of Jesus. I've been healed by the stripes of Jesus. Nothing can happen to me. I don't have diabetes. And of course, we know the result of that. I went into a diabetic coma and I almost died. And grace, it was just God's mercy. It was just his mercy that he just looked, say, this incredibly foolish girl, I will not let her die. <laughs> And you know, when I came out of the coma, I was I was still so sad. I felt betrayed by God. Can you imagine? I was living irresponsibly, irresponsibly and I was still feeling betrayed by God. That, and he didn't heal me. And he said I've been healed. <laughs> so when I re uh, was recovering and all that, and you know, I joined the diabetes online group, the UK diabetes online group. We don't have one in Nigeria yet. So, and that was when... You know, I started eating healthy, but, you know, to keep myself alive, but still holding out one hand of hope that, okay, what Jesus has done will kick into effect and I will not have to start to keep watching what I'm eating. <laughs> you get, <laughs> I'm watching what I'm eating right now because I don't have a choice, but I'm hoping a time will come when I won't have to watch what I'm eating. <laughs> and it's, it was so silly. But you know, one thing I learned one of the things being a disciple of God is discipline. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can say that again. Exactly. One of the things about being a disciple of God is discipline. In fact, the word disciple is taken from discipline. It means they, they are no more controlled by the things of the flesh. They are controlled by the things of the spirit. My greatest weakness 
was food. I loved good food. I had incredible sweet tooth. That was my weakness above all. If I could not bring that into subjection, if I could not bring that and give it up for God, I cannot be used of God. Because there will always be a sphere of my life he doesn't have control over. But you have not surrendered. Yes. And that was the aspect of food. So, in fact, it took me a, more than a year to learn that. And then I stopped denying my diabetes. Mm. I've been healed by, Je- by Jesus. But one thing, trusting God, is like when he told Paul that time, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm. His grace is sufficient for me. One of the things about trusting God is even when he does not do what you think he should do, when he does not think what you, when he does not do what you believe he should do, when he does not do what you feel shabby he has promised to do, but you still trust him that he never fails. So I'll tell people I am diabetic. I believe in a healing God, but I also believe that if God has not taken this away, he has his reason. And there's one thing I believe above all else. He takes care of me and diabetes will never kill me or damage any organ in me. So I am living with it and I am watching what I eat and I test my blood sugar and I'm responsible. And when I do what I can do, God does what I cannot do. With all the things I went through health-wise, as in things that would have killed a normal person, when I went into that diabetic coma, when I came out, my doctor told me that he actually felt I would not survive it. But he was just doing his part as a doctor. But he had that, he, in his heart, he actually thought there was no way I would make it. God did that part. He saved me. And not only did he save me, he saved me. I had no organ damage. They tested and tested. I had no organ damage, no nerve damage, nothing. That is God doing his part. Now, what will I do with that grace he gave me? Will I continue doing things that will now damage the same organs? Will I continue doing things that will ruin the save, the, how he saved my body? And one thing we should understand is when the body and when the Lord calls our body his temple, people automatically think of only sexual sins. But what of the sins of what you're doing damaging your body? With the food we're eating. With the food we're eating. That's why I, I get upset when people see food that in terms of, oh, lose weight, don't lose weight. Yeah. You can take care of yourself as in put priority on yourself because you know that this body was meant to fulfill purpose. Thank you. We honor God with our body. Now, I have God has a purpose for me. He created Lagos Housewife for me to help other people. If I am not in good health, how am I supposed to help them? If I am sick and I can't post, I can't answer people. I can I can help people who reach out to me. How am I fulfilling that purpose? This body is my physical vehicle on earth. I can't change it for another one. I have only one shot. Once this body is gone, my purpose is gone. If I destroy it to the point that I take my last breath and I'm gone, there is absolutely nothing I can do about my purpose anymore. It's over. The end. Full stop. The rest is judgment. I might make heaven, but my purpose is, is finished. Mm-hmm. If we have that mindset, 
of that we only have one shot at this. We will understand we cannot afford to be slack in all things. Why do we feel we should take care of our spirits but not our bodies? What houses the spirit? You know, because we tend to think, ah, it's the flesh. God said we should not live according to the flesh. We've forgotten that we live in this flesh. Bones, blood, every cell, we live in it. Like, you can't even, like, study your Bible, pray, have inspiration to write, if the body or the flesh... Exactly. ...as optimally as it should. Exactly. Right? Some people think it's just about the spiritual, you know, study the Bible, but how can you... Form... Because me, when my eyes pain me, I cannot read my Bible. When I have headaches, I can't read my Bible. So how can you read your Bible if you're not taking care of that body? Do you know, I sprained my little toe one time, and the pain was so bad. I could not even pray normally. I could, I, all I could say was, God, my toe is pinning me. God, my toe is pinning me. I could not even do anything. You know, my son came to me, Mommy, do you want to play? I didn't know when I snapped at him. Leave me alone. Yeah. Because of the smallest toe. And we are now joking with our whole bodies. God will give us sense in Jesus' name. <laughs> okay, so what did you ask? How was the um, diabetes diagnosed? Okay, so... I was overweight then. And you know, the funny thing was I'd never really contended with weight problems. So it kind of threw me off balance. I've not been someone who has ever battled weight. Yeah. Weight as in weight, yeah. So, but this time I was really puffed up and everything. And everybody was like, "Ah, you are so fat, you're so fat, you're so this, you're so... It didn't bother me, but I now noticed that I was panting. If I do small thing, I will pant. If I do one thing, I will pant. I felt it was my weight. Then I did not even know that I was already diabetic. Mm. So I decided to go on a diet. And I foolishly went on this fruit-only, vegetable-only diet. No protein, no carbs. You know all those ones. Lose 10 kg in one week. (laughs) Those kind of diets that will kill you. And I started. And you know the funny thing? I was consuming so much fruit on an already diabetic body. <laughs> As in, because I was always hungry. I would go through like six apples in one sitting. Yeah. A bunch of bananas will follow. Imagine what that was doing to my... Ah, oh, God is merciful. <laughs> and then, you know when diabetes reaches an extreme you will start losing weight drastically. Yeah. I started losing weight drastically. And I felt, oh, the diet is working. Good. I'm losing weight. I was just shrinking. And my husband was like, this is something. I said, don't worry. It's working. When I get to a specific uh, uh, weight, I'll, I'll stop and everything. Then, But the weakness continued. Mm. And I was thinking, okay, maybe it's because I'm not eating other foods. Maybe because it's just fruits and everything. The weakness continued. It got to a point that for me to stand up from the bed, I would be panting. I would first raise myself up, sit down on the bed, then stand up. I would need to hold things to support. Ah, and I was like, ah, should this thing be... But I still did not stop the diet because I was losing weight, which was my end goal, to lose weight. <laughs> and then my eyesight... I could not see. As in, only if something is right in front of me, I could, I would sit down and I would not be able to see anything on the TV. And that really scared me. That was what scared me. My husband had actually forced me to go to the hospital because of 
the the weakness. And instead of me being honest with my symptoms, I lied to the doctor. Mm. I lied about all my symptoms. I said it's only the weakness and it's because I'm on this diet and everything. And doctor says stop that diet. Any diet that will tell you to eat only fruits and vegetables is bad mm. and everything. I refused tests and everything because I wanted to continue to die. But when my eyesight, hey, that was when I was scared. I was like, am I going blind? What is going on? And then I started praying, God, I don't understand. What is wrong with my eyes? What is wrong with my eyes? And I could, I, by then, my, the insom- insomnia that hit me was so bad, I could not sleep. So I was awake in the night and I was thinking, God, what's going on? And the Holy Spirit just helped me at that moment to remember when my dad was diagnosed mm. with diabetes. And I just, my God, these were all the symptoms my dad had. And I quickly woke my husband up and, and I said, babe, I think I'm diabetic. Mm. And he said, I reject it in Jesus' name. I said, amen. He said, first thing in the morning, we're going to the hospital. Both of us could not sleep. 6 a.m., we went to the hospital. And I told my doctor, I said, I think I'm diabetic. He said, why? That was when I now opened up about the symptoms. Hmm. He just tested my blood sugar. Woo-wee! 3.30. And it was like, I'm putting you on insulin immediately. And I started crying. Even though I had suspected, being told, being faced with the proof of it was devastating. I started crying. And he put me on insulin. I was like, I don't want to be diabetic. I don't want to be diabetic. I cannot be diabetic. And you know, my dad was on insulin. I've been giving myself injection every day. And doctor was like, no, you don't have to. You can control it. Anyway, started me on insulin. I was first on insulin thrice daily. Then as it stabilized twice daily, then once daily, then he now switched me to oral tablets. Hmm. That was when I now went home. I said to myself, I am not diabetic. And I stopped taking my drugs. And I'll be lying that I'm taking it. And I'll be eating what I'm not supposed to be eating. And that was when I relapsed and went into a coma. (laughs) So that was the story of my diagnosis. (laughs) Now, you know what is fascinating about your story is that there are 100 people right now, or more than 100 people right now, who are doing exactly the same thing. Yes. Denying the situation, confounding irresponsibility with Christianity, Yes. Refusing to take your drugs, refusing to be honest with your doctor. Yes. Seeing the symptoms and telling yourself that everything is okay and um, not doing the things you're supposed to do. And so I imagine that a lot of times, a lot of people pass on. Yes. Out of irresponsibility, but we say that God knows best, (laughs) that God knows everything. And then we now turn around and blame the devil, call the village people that didn't even know who who were existing. It just blows my mind that even as you're sharing this story now, there are many yes. people out there who are doing exactly the same thing. So my question now is, okay, before I go to my, to my question, I wanted to ask you, when all these things was going on, did people come to you with different types of um, herbal medication or just prayer houses? Lots, lots, lots. In fact, myself, I was researching many so-called natural remedies to this thing. Be like soak, soak okra in water, drink the okra. Uh, if you use uh, aphirin and bitter leaf, just be drinking one cup every day. And so many, so many. There's one stick like that. All you have to do is to be chewing the stick and things like that and all that. But I think one of the ways 
God saved me was the fact that my dad was diabetic, my mom was diabetic. And you know, they were like, forget all those natural remedies, just take your drugs. Just take your drugs. Because it actually happened with my dad. Someone gave him a so-called natural remedy that it cures diabetes. It doesn't just treat it. It cures it completely. So he stopped taking his insulin. That time, I think I was in 200 level then. He stopped taking his insulin and he was taking the herbal, this thing. And he went into a diabetic coma. He almost killed himself. It was bad. Really bad. And, you know... He came out of it and the doctor told him, don't ever try that again. These things are not tested. They are not proven. The doctor said he... That's my problem. Because someone's going to be saying, yes. well, um, we have diabetic cure. But they are not scientifically proven. They've not been researched. They've not collected like a cohort of exactly. people and giving it to them and monitored them over six months and seen that over, if you go exactly. to China, if you go to Vietnam, if you go to Africa, any continent or country you go to and repeat this test will have the same results. Yes, exactly. So just because someone carried their mat on their head and said, ah, it works, it does not mean that it works. Yes. And you know the funny thing I don't understand is what many people are willing to dole out 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 on herbs that do not have any proven yeah. um, backing but will not buy their drugs. Exactly. And you know, it's just so, the, the drug I'm on because I, t I take one tablet a day in the mornings with, with breakfast and all that. I, you know, after I lost my mom and all the resulting health issues and everything, I was put, I, I was off off drugs completely before but you know it all came back and everything and that's part of the things i was telling god oh god i don't want to be using these drugs again and everything and god told me use your drug <laughs> so he's very capable of healing me but he knows at this point use your drugs i don't know why but one thing i've learned don't question god just obey him it could even even be that my faith is not up to it yet or it could even be the time is not right yet. You get what I'm saying? It could be anything. Don't try to second guess God. Just obey him. So I, I take just one tablet a day in the mornings. You know, when I was telling my friend and I was saying, I don't want to keep, and she was asking, say, okay, how are the drugs? I said, it's a tablet a day. And she was like, Ryo, seriously, one tablet, one day, seriously. <laughs> she was like, I beg my friend, take your thing, Jari. Ah. <laughs> Said she was not like it's so amazing the way we forget where we are coming from. Do you remember when you were on insulin injection three times daily and you were still taking like four tablets every day? <laughs> I said, okay, it's true. So, but you know how much is a sachet? Two hundred naira is sachet, and it's ten. Yeah. And I take one a day. That's ten days. That's twenty twenty naira per day. Why would I not just do that? And it works. It works. My blood sugar is so stable, so perfect. I eat healthy. I eat okay. I don't take anything I'm not supposed to take. In fact, there's actually nothing I cannot take. All it takes is discipline. Someone gave me cake recently and all that. And ah, the cake was so delicious. And I ate a slice and I was like, Oh God, I really need more than a slice of this one. And you know, <laughs> when I when I do things like that, I'm a very visual-minded person. 
I imagine God shifting back on his throne and looking at me and like, really, you need it. Exactly what makes it a need? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> you know, and when I imagine things like that, I look up to heaven and I'm like, okay, you've made your point. Thank you. So, and I just walked away. I didn't eat more than a slice. You get. Yeah. Because I, I think of the fact that one of the things that caution me is the fact that it's falling into temptation is a downward slope. Once you've started it, it's so easy to slide down. So just maintain that stable ground you are on and don't joke with temptation. Sweet things was a temptation to me for so long. It's very easy to get back into that. All I have to do is like, I need one slice. And the next thing I'll think, I need two slices. I need three slices. Before I knew it, I would have eaten that half of that cake and my blood sugar would have started misbehaving again. And that's where discipline comes in. People think discipline is punishment. Yes. You know, but it's not. It's not. Because the truth is, would you wait? The truth is, if you tell someone now that, oh, tomorrow is your last day on earth, we're all going to behave ourselves. Yes, we will. But we're waiting for the very bad things to happen before we take um, take responsibility for our lives, yeah. which is not the right way to do things because many people don't get the opportunity to have a, a second chance. Yes, they don't. My last question. Yes. We can talk about this like the whole time because I'm like, <laughs> so what are we supposed to be doing for people who are living in ignorance or people who know that they have this issue and are not doing anything about it or people who should actually start going for screening for diabetes because um, in developed countries from, I think from the age of 35, you should have started screening for diabetes, I think once a year. Yes. But I don't know how many people actually think of doing those things where we come from, especially because we have a very bad attitude towards um, medical science and going to the hospital. Yeah. Like I said, people will buy all sorts of herbs, you know, no matter how expensive they are, but they won't go to the hospital. And and, and, and it's killing us gradually. Yes, it is. Using our lifespan, our productivity, and so many things. And the one that breaks my heart the most is when even, you know, our pastors and men of God contribute to the problem by telling you, oh, stop taking your drugs. You've been killed oh. your drugs anymore. Or don't take the drugs until I say so. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I think part of the reason is, uh, part of the things we can do is to share our testimonies. You know, that's that's another thing I, I always tell myself is, if I go through all this experience and it doesn't help other people's people, then it's a waste. I think we need to share more of our testimonies. We need to be more vocal we, and we need to be honest. See, being honest about how medicine has helped you is not denying God's grace. Mm. It's not denying the power of God. I think that is the issue some of us have that, oh, if we do IVF and we now say, ah, I've been trying to conceive for years and then when I did IVF, it became successful. We are like giving glory to the doctor, not the not God. It's like saying that God was not able to do it, but medicine did it. Seriously, even if that is your, <laughs> you had the resources to do it, Abby. Yes, it was God that provided anything. I have the resources for God did it exactly. And you know the thing is, I tell people 
even if you don't give glory to God, it doesn't stop him being God. And it doesn't stop mm. him being responsible for the good you are going through in your life. That's one thing we need to understand. Do we think God is someone with a fragile ego that has to be massaged every time? Let's keep him happy so that he will not vex. Seriously, that is so insulting to him. <laughs> He's not like us. He's not like us. He wants us to tell the truth of how he did it. Because there are some people who will not receive their miracles the miraculous way. They will receive it the medical way. And when we hide these things from them, we are depriving them of their own testimony. And we're making them, we're, we're, we're putting them to a, up to a pedestal that is unreachable. Exactly. Exactly. So we make them look like failures. Yes, because I too, I grappled so much. It was like, is it faith that is not making me to be healed? Is it this thing and everything? But you see, God is faithful. By all accounts, I should be dead and gone. I'm here simply because of him. People need to understand this. And I think I, I need to tell them, say, if any pastor tells you not to take your drugs, you should tell him, Oga Pastor, it is the devil you are listening to, not my God. True. I think we need to start speaking up more. You are speaking for the devil, not for God. And I'll tell him, you don't have a monopoly on God. I also hear from him. He hasn't told me. Exactly. And you know, I like the fact that after you told your story of being in coma, you still drew out a miracle from there. He said, none of my organs were damaged. Yes. There's always a miracle. There is always like I was this one pastor yesterday, I said that most of us were waiting to give testimony when we were almost dying and God raised us from the dead. Yeah. But we have not gone to the hospital for the past 12 years. But we're still asking God, God, what have you done for me? Then God is not asking you, do you want to die? Let us not raise you from Exactly. Death. Exactly. You know, so everything you know, of I mean, our lives, a miracle is happening. Yes, it is. It is. Every single day. You know, I, I developed this habit of taking thanking God for everything. It's when you do that you will realize every day is a miracle. Mm. I wake up in the morning, I go to the toilet to ease myself and I, I just say, thank God that I can actually feel like this, that I want to ease myself. And when I go to the toilet, I can actually urinate comfortably. Father, I am grateful. Thank you, Lord. I can wake up, open my eyes and see. I can wake up, stand up and everything. And we always have something to thank God for. We always have something to thank God for. So we should we should stop feeling as if uh, because we can't thank him for IVF. It's your mindset that is thinking you can't thank him for IVF. Do you know the success rate of IVF? Oh. You think it's everybody that does IVF that is, that is successful? Please, let's not confound um, Christianity because I believe that even if not even if I believe that we have IVF because God gave us wisdom. Yes, exactly. Exactly. We have a lot of medical procedures. We have a lot of medical specialists. We have a lot of health um, equipment because God gave somebody wisdom. Wisdom. Exactly. And everything you see here on earth is the wisdom of God. Of God, yes. You know, you know we can even and now talk about mental health but i don't want to go there yes let's stay here so go ahead you know i wish there i was telling my husband i said do you know if you go into history and research how these things were created and uh, were manufactured and discovered so many drugs and everything i said do you know one thing i discovered an amazing number of them were actually christians were christians yes 
I was going to say that with the spirit is one. An amazing number of them were Christians. Yes. Yes. As in, so you realize that wisdom of God, that spirit of God, and then you now think that these things he created were not meant to be used? Because scripture said he will make a way where there, there is no way. way. Yes. So if God has made a way, why are you still knocking on heaven's door and saying you must do it for me the way I want it? Exactly. Thank you so much, Ryo. This has been amazing. Honestly, I prayed before this session and I really, really, really pray that the people listening would realize that um, I know this is for someone and I know that you're listening and I want you to rise up and walk, pick up your stick, wrap your bed and go and seek the help that you know that you should have sought a long time ago. You know, whether you're living in denial, refusing to acknowledge the situation, whatever it is right now. One of the ways to step out of any situation in life is accepting the situation and facing it head on. Stop telling yourself, oh, it's not, this is not, you know, we say this is not happening or we say, why me? It's happened, it's happened. Yes. Raya wouldn't be here today if she was still battling her why me. <laughs> exactly. So she wouldn't be here telling her story today if she was still insisting on living in denial. So Raya, what does life beyond the dress size mean to you? Oh, it means realizing your body is the temple of the Lord. You are wonderfully and beautifully made. You take responsibility for your health. It's not about losing weight. It's not about fitting into a particular dress size or being a certain weight. It's being the best physical you that God created you to be. That's what it is. So people, you heard it from Ryo. The only way to live life beyond the dress size is to take responsibility for what we're feeding our body. Because the truth is, as much as God gave us food and gave us dominion over it, He's supposed to enrich and empower you. And if you're not using the food you're eating to empower yourself and give yourself more life, I don't know what else you're doing with food. Thank you for listening. Thanks. If you've enjoyed this episode, I want you to share it with somebody, share it with your friends, um, rate and review this podcast. I would love to hear what you learned. You can always find Raya on Lagos Housewife everywhere on social media. And she's always so engaging and so entertaining. So go and harass her. <laughs> if her food is tormenting you, like it, it torments me. Tell her that she stopped tormenting me. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Raya. Thank you so much, Zini. You are listening to Beyond the Dress Size podcast with Dr. Ezine Meribe. On today's episode, we're still on the Recovery Through Nutrition series. And on today, I have Rayo Abe, who is the founder of Lagos Housewife. Now, Rayo Abe is sharing with us her story, thriving through diabetes, went through a diabetic coma. And, you know, just like the story of Tulu, one of the things I wanted to highlight in this particular episode was not just the fact that we need to take responsibility for our health and our nutrition, but we need to start looking beyond the guilt that comes with being a Christian. And so um, because you're a Christian, you won't take your drugs. Because you're a Christian, you won't um, go for medical checkup and do the things that your doctor asks you to do. Now, faith without works is dead. And it's so important that we do not confound our religious beliefs with irresponsibility. It's responsibility to take charge of your health while you're also actively praying and empowering yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit. Whichever way you choose to do it, remember that there is a reason we have medical practitioners and medical experts here on earth. It is God that empowered them and gave them the wisdom to operate. And so we should not disregard that wisdom that God has put for us here on earth. 
I really like where Ryo said God has given us all food to enjoy, but he has also given us common sense. Wow. Girl, let's go listen to this episode, shall we? <laughs>